1: Now, figuring out what your customer wants and needs from your product or service, that's really the heart of product management, and that is the beginning of how we create products that customers love, knowing that. Also, there are tools to help us do that, thankfully, and in this discussion, you're going to learn about a tool that's been available now for a couple years, but I actually rarely find it being used by product leaders and managers. I'm sure some of you are, but I think more of us could be using it. It's called the Value Proposition Canvas. We explored the concept of value proposition back in episode 123 with Alex Osterwalder. Now, we talk with his co-founder, Alan Smith. Together, they started Strategizer, which may be best known for their award-winning books, Business Model Generation and Value Proposition Design, and the related training that they do. Alan is a multi-talented designer and UX professional. He loves building tools to help drive strategy and innovation in organizations which makes him the perfect person to be talking with us, the everyday innovators, because he can help us know how to drive innovation in our organizations and help us with tools to make those products that customers love. The Value Proposition Canvas consists of two sides. There's the Customer Segment Profile and the Value Map, and each one of those contains three components – and in the discussion, Alan will share all the details, but a graphic of the canvas would be helpful for you. And I've included one of those in the show notes. That's where I summarize all of the key points and you'll find that canvas there too. Just go to the everydayinnovator.com slash 215. That's where the canvas and the show notes are. I think you're going to love this discussion. Alan, thanks so much for joining the Everyday Innovators. My pleasure. So we get to talk about a pretty good tool today. And it's related to what made Strategizer really kind of on the map, right? So well known, which was the business model canvas. Mm-hmm. And I, I had the pleasure of talking to your co-founder there at Strategizer, Alex, back in episode 123. And we actually kind of applied the business model canvas to how your book on value proposition design was, you know, came about, kind of treating that as a as a product, which was pretty interesting. So you have this business model canvas. Probably a lot of listeners know about this already. It's that one-page, nine-block cell system for capturing a business model really succinctly. And one of the aspects there that shows up right in the middle is the value proposition. Mm-hmm. And now you have this tool called the value proposition canvas that I really think is important for product managers to be using. Tell us how that tool came about.
2: Yeah, so it's, it was pretty simple. Like Basically, when... We looked at how people were actually using the business model canvas. Mm-hmm. We saw that you know the canvas looked pretty good in general, but they had about a billion sticky notes or a billion items on the customer area and a billion items in the value proposition area. Mm-hmm. And when we looked a little bit deeper at that, we we're like, what's going on here? Like, What are people trying to do? And what we found was people were trying to better express the value proposition. They couldn't express it in one or two post-it notes. They needed... Uh, they wanted to go into a lot more depth. And then the second thing was they were trying to express the problems of their customer and the, the sort of jobs they were trying to get done, um, the the goals that their customer had. And there are a lot of different tools for profiling you know customer, but people were sort of just dropping a lot of stuff over there. Mm-hmm. And the signal to us at that point in time was, wow, this is kind of like a separate problem. Right, this is something people are, you know, really struggling with as far as defining what is who is our customer and you know what is their profile, what are we trying to solve for them, and what is our value proposition to them? How does the bundle of products or services um, create the outcomes our customer is looking for? Right, and you know that's it. it, it sounds simple when you put it in words like that. Even though it's kind of like I apologize for using a bit of jargon in there, but it's really hard to do. Like if you think about how many different ways have you seen to create a customer profile or a persona, Mm -hmm. right? There's there's like, you know, if coming from the design and service design world um, UX, you know, I've seen, I've seen dozens, like there's so many different ways to sort of skin that cat, but to find something that was really truly addressable and, you know, there's to bridge the gap between those two boxes in a business model canvas. Who is your customer and what are you offering them? And to make, you know, the target on the right as clear as possible so that you could hit it with the dart on the left. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that was really what we were hoping for with the value proposition canvas to give you a really clear target to aim for. It was very addressable that you could draw direct links between this is my customer's problem, the job they're trying to do, what's currently unsatisfactory about that and what the best possible outcome looks like. Here's a bundle of products and services I offer, and here's how it connects to that. Here's how it does something to either get rid of those pains or create that positive outcome Mm -hmm. that people are looking for.
1: What I ran into, I I use a version of the business model canvas called the Lean Canvas, since I work with product groups, product management. Mm -hmm. When I'm helping those groups improve their performance, it's a nice one-page tool to kind of think through a product, right, and and do that uh, problem solution fit for the customer. And the value proposition is always something everyone asks about, right? Yeah. Like, like what do we put there? Well, you already got the book into the canvas, you know, on, on that one. It is the customer segment and the problem that they have. There's always more detail to go into that, right? And, and this tool captures that well. It gives us our own canvas to, to lay that out. And we'll walk through it. But I wonder if you could start us off with an example about, you know, may, maybe an organization, someone that, that applied this and went, oh, you know, the light bulb went off. Yeah. This is where we were, we were missing it.
2: I'll give you an example of, you know, us eating our own dog food Mm -hmm. and it was, it was Alex and I, um, in the early days. So we, we developed a software product to allow people to create business model canvases basically right in the, in the very early days of Mm strategizing. And, uh, we built an iPad app and it was very successful and people loved the iPad app. And it was really just a prototype though, of what we thought sort of a, a business design software could be. And we, we met up uh, to sort of do an offsite and you know, think through you know, the future of the roadmap. You know, we didn't have a product manager at the time. I understand a lot of your listeners are product managers. We were sort of like you know, founders trying to play product manager mm-hmm. at the time. And we had mapped out our roadmap of features that felt like um, this is a logical extension of where we're at today. Um, and if I showed you the roadmap and I showed you where the product was, you know, if you weren't a product manager, um, and or you weren't an extremely customer centric person, uh, you might look at it and say, like, yeah, it looks pretty good. I could get excited about these. You know, there's the clear line from you know where this is to like you know version two is it's it's this but better, right? And then what we did was we we were just sort of in the early stages of developing the value proposition canvas at the time, and we mapped out you know what our customers' jobs, pains, and gains were. You know, like sort of. Remember the, the the value proposition canvas is really like a zoom in tool. Like it allows you to zoom in to the value proposition and sort of like fill out sub components of it. As does it allow you to zoom into the customer profile and fill out sub components. So we zoomed in uh, to the customer profile. We zoomed in to the value proposition, and what we saw was very few of the features we were actually thinking about building had any capability to actually produce the the positive outcomes, the gains the customer was looking for, or really truly nullified any of their pains. Hmm. And it would have been, you know, nine months to a year worth of development, maybe a million dollar roadmap. Mm-hmm. And in that one meeting of, I don't know, probably like 60 minutes of creating that that canvas, we realized that the entire roadmap that we had built, that again, if I showed it to you, you would say that this is very um, logical, was... Pretty much garbage and created no customer value, and we scrapped it uh, entirely at that point in time. So it's a bit of a cheap answer to say, you know, it's not—it's not a customer, you know, who used it or anything like that. But it almost made the biggest impact to me personally, and yeah. that was the time that showed me that wow, this thing is really valuable. It—it mm-hmm. uh, it helped us completely adjust course towards aiming at the customer. You know, really being clear about not just what we're excited about as people who build stuff. Because that's really easy, right? Like it's people who build stuff get excited about building stuff and building on top of the stuff that they've already built. And that's not always in the best interest of the customer. And that's what I learned that day on the St. Peter's Insel, We're in a sort of island in Switzerland, believe it or not.
1: Mm -hmm. Nice. I'm sure it's a good place to be. What I love about that story is you ate your own dog food, right? You put it into practice yourself, this tool, learn that there are some big holes, which tells us that it's a good tool for validating do we have the right fit? This deeper understanding of the, of the customer, are we actually solving their problems in a way that's going to create value for them or not? And that fit is what almost every organization struggles on, is let's not rush too quickly into building something before we've actually validated that we're going to be building the right thing for them.
2: You know, to build on that, I don't want to say the value proposition Canvas is going to help you validate in one session like it did for us. Mm-hmm. It was able to help us invalidate in one section In one session, but it couldn't help us validate. Mm -hmm. So, in that one session, we were able to see that there was no clear conceptual fit. Like, we couldn't even draw a straight line when asked from here to here. Now, let's say we could have, right? We could draw a straight line. Well, we're not the customer, so we don't know if that straight line is real. You know what I mean? So, that would be the true task of validation that is sort of that's when you start to stack um, the value proposition canvas and the business model canvas. Those are activities that can first serve as a design activity to codify where we believe our idea is today like we think we're here um now let's check to see if we were right and it gives us this shared language to sort of peg and you know pin down the idea um as it is today before we go further in developing it it's pinned down enough that we can actually go further in testing it and validating right. it through, you know, more traditional methods of, you know, customer research and uh, all of the other validation tools around Lean.
1: Yeah, it will make the assumptions clear and visible, and now I'll tell you what you need to find out more about.
2: Exactly to your point, exactly about you know making the assumptions clear, having those assumptions inside of a single customer, inside of you know a larger value proposition, how this product connects to them inside of the business model having that sort of those different layers Mm -hmm. of uh what is the business or product or service idea we're working on very very clear and concrete is something that very few people actually have and trying to validate something that's not pinned down good luck right like it's a moving target you know it's easy to it's easy to shift around and and it, you know say like oh that's not actually what i meant of course we were right all along when the customer hated this idea uh, it wasn't my real idea it's like no no put it on paper get it clear make the assumptions explicit mm-hmm. and now we can make progress better even though it may hurt a little bit more
1: along the way let's talk through these components and, and so we can put this in practice so now include a graphic of the tool in the show notes too those will be at the everyday slash 215 and this canvas has two big parts, right? So the business model canvas has the nine blocks, it has kind of the the two big parts with the uh, pieces inside of them. And that's the customer segment profile and the value map. And typically when I see this used, we start with the customer profile. Can you just walk us through what is what's the elements of that customer profile?
2: Yeah, so we broke it down to three things and we really built on the work of Tony Olwick, Bob Moesta, mm-hmm. Clay Christensen, some really 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 smart dudes and just incredible conceptual thinkers who came up with the jobs to be done model, which has been, you know, made much more popular recently. Um, I think, you know, probably a lot of your listeners are familiar with it. Were you familiar with it before the value proposition came out?
1: Um, I was, I, I know Tony and he's been on the podcast a couple of times too, sharing jobs to be done in that framework.
2: Yeah, excellent. So we, what we tried to do was we tried to sort of start with the jobs to be done framework because we thought it was just so powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we wanted to do was try to make it a little bit more actionable. And so to say, okay, well, these are the things that people want done. What generally tends to go wrong? Or what uh, are the risks associated with getting this done? Or what are current solutions not currently producing satisfactory results on right and so we call those the pains so you know when you're trying to x and y happens right like you know and it's like that's the that's the sort of like you know negative side of the story Mm -hmm. but what you so that's the customer job and then the pains is the you know and then y happens right or you know you don't you hate it when you know your email service does whatever and that's a pain with an existing software but then sometimes it's, you know, more of a pain with the idea of just the job. You know, when you say something you, w- you wish you hadn't have said, you know, something like that, well, then, okay, well, that's a pain, you know, that we've sort of, you know, identified with the job of communication, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the gains, which is like, well, what's the best outcome? Well, you're very clearly understood or you say exactly what you want to say or you sound smart, right? You know, there's these sort of different jobs of the jobs are, and there's different, let's be fair, we will Accommodate either way that you like to look at jobs. There's kind of two. There's this idea that, you know, jobs are very large sort of customer stories versus jobs almost as activities and stories. Um, Tony Olwick it falls more on that side of, you know, tasks and breaking down um, things into tasks. Mm-hmm. We're fine with that. And we're also fine with the more Clay Christensen side of thing, which is a job is something that's, you know, larger um, and feels bigger and is an unsatisfied narrative almost in the in the customer's life that they're working on. Either one you can list as a job in the value proposition canvas, and then mapping the, ca- the pains. Like I said, undesirable outcomes, risks, or issues with the current solution, as well as the gains. What are the positive outcomes? One might say benefits. You know that they're looking for. Um, or best case scenario, when the job goes well, this, you know, happens. So that's really those three things, jobs, pains and gains. And okay. we tried to keep it very simple and very actionable. If you can list those things, start with the jobs. It's usually easiest to then list the pains and then get to the gains afterwards.
0: I'm interrupting the interview to share something really important. We'll get back to the discussion in just a minute, but I want you to know about an extraordinary system called the Rapid Product Mastery, or RPM Experience. In just nine weeks, you can have a higher-performing product team meeting only 75 minutes a week with no travel required. One product leader, after trying all the typical training workshops, turned to the RPM Experience to get real change for his team. He said that this is the only training that provides an integrated product management perspective. It did exactly what I needed it to do. If you have a group of 5 to 14 product professionals, learn how you too can have a high-performing team in just 9 weeks, 75 minutes a week, without travel. This is the system created by Chad, based on his experience working as a product leader, coaching several organizations, and deeply studying innovation during his PhD work. Get the guide for yourself at the slash RPM.
1: If I'm doing this with the group, you know, the, the way I've seen this done is often, you know, the big graphic on the uh, on the on the whiteboard or something we we draw this. Yep. And then we take our post-it notes out and we scribble all, all of the post it notes out and we start stacking up, okay, what's the jobs that this customer wants to get done once we have a clear you know, we have a clear target segment in mind. Okay, what's their job they want to get done? What are some pains associated with that? What are some gains associated with that? Tell us what's a good collaborative way to use that tool. Is that the best
2: way to use it? Is if you have some customer interviews already. So if you've if if you've already if I understand a lot of your listeners are product managers. So if you have a lot of customer interviews on hand, mm-hmm. um, you know something you can do is have your team go through a bunch of existing customer interviews and just highlight you know what sounds kind of like a job. What's something they're trying to get done when they're complaining about the solution or they're saying something they're worried about, or they're listening something that never tends to happen for them, you know, those might be paints. And so just highlighting those things in like say yellow for, you know, jobs, red for pains and green for gains. Okay. going through like a bunch of Google docs or whatever it is. Right. That's the best case scenario. If you have it in the words of the customer to start with, you know, just a bunch of interviews, um, that are more discovery oriented, mm-hmm. you know, like that's the best kind. Um, if not, get people uh, in your company to sort of try to do the same thing in person and talk about, okay, well, what are our customers telling us they're really trying to accomplish? What are the things they're trying to get done inside of their organization? And just focus on jobs and don't don't worry about, um, you know, cutting people off or talking too much or putting up too many jobs. Put them all up, you know, put up everything that everyone says. And then start to cluster, you know, like classic affinity mapping and say, okay, well, you know, these two are actually kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of the same. And then, okay, well, is there a better title for these two? You know, it's one thing. Okay. Do that. Right. And then if you can go one step further and actually say, well, which ones of these actually matter the most to people in terms of the jobs, which are the jobs that matter versus which are the jobs that are like, yeah, you know, that's some, that's one of their problems. But you know, if, if that didn't get solved, it would be, you know, a, a 2% difference in terms of final performance, you mm-hmm. know, for them, or whatever it is. And to just kind of stack rank, like, is this more important or is this more important? To get a sense of what are the most important problems or, you know, we're, we're going to say jobs a million times in this podcast. So <laughs> apologies to everyone who is tired of hearing the JBTD jobs to be done, um, you know, wording too much, but...
1: It won't hurt you us.
2: Know, it, 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 hopefully it won't. Um, just getting that sense of stack ranking of these uh-huh. are the the jobs that are very high priority to people, and these are the ones that are lower priority. Because in a collaborative environment, you'll list them and they're all real. Don't try to categorize them all at the same time okay. uh, or prioritize them at the same time. It Doesn't matter, right? Um, some people and you know we uh, offer the option of uh, collaboratively mapping jobs, pains, or gains. Or, sorry, not jobs, pains, or gains. Functional. Um, social or emotional jobs, which are different types of jobs. Hmm. Um we allow people to to do that. And that's a good way if people feel stuck, it'd be like, okay, well, what do they really need to get done? What are they trying to get done to make themselves feel better? Right. And what are they trying to get done in relation to the other people on their team? Right. And that can help.
1: Yeah, that kind of explores the internal, external problem dimension, right? It's like I have this external problem I need, but internally I'm feeling a certain way about that. It either makes me feel better or it makes me feel worse. Right. There, there's something going on.
2: Exactly. And the external problem is sort of two sides. One is, you know, external socially or Mm -hmm. external functionally, right? right? This is just something that has to happen versus this is something that's happening in regards to other people. Or, you know, it it maybe actually doesn't even have anything to do with the function. It's just, you know, mine and Chad's relationship that is being affected here, right? Right. Um, Jobs can relate to that.
1: It's a good system. I appreciate that tip. Can't help break it out that way. I'm sure you know the milkshake uh, video from Clay Christensen.
2: Yeah, and we show that everywhere. And you know, if if you listen to that video again, like if your users haven't um, or sorry, listeners haven't listened to it, I love that video so much, man. The first time I saw it, and when I was first introduced to Jobs as a concept, I was like, "This is the biggest thing I've learned all year." And it was like December, you know what I mean? It was like this was a big deal. I, I was completely blown away. And if you listen to when he's talking about that, the Jobs to be done is great. But what he's actually speaking about is pains and gains. Absolutely. And right? that's so, why I
1: brought it up, because I thought for people who have it, if you want to hear a good example of applying this framework where you can kind of think through it on your own, just uh, go to YouTube and look for Clay Christensen Milkshake and you'll find it. But yeah, go ahead. Tell us about the pains and gains.
2: Then when you talk about the job, so, you know, he talks about the job of, uh, in, in that video, and we'll give people a bit of a preview here, the idea that, you know, the job that the Milkshake is is there to do um, in the context of people who buy these from fast food restaurants is to fill them up before they're meeting at 1030 or so they're not too hungry by their meeting at 1030. Right. As well as, you know, something to do while they're uh, on the commute. Right. And he talks about the other competitors that were helping to do that job before. So while the milkshake is one solution or value proposition, there's other solutions like a banana or a Snickers bar donut. Um, what's the other stuff they mentioned? Do you remember?
1: The, the donut stands out for me. Because he talks about, you know, Bagel. yeah. What, what's some of the gains of the milkshake? It's easy. It's not a mess. Whereas the donut doesn't, isn't lasting and it gets all over your pants.
2: Yeah. So that's a pain associated with, okay, I, I've got a donut. It's sticky eating this in the car. I've got sticky fingers driving. There's currently an issue with this solution mm-hmm. while I'm applying it to do this job. And so to that customer in that situation, um, there's some pain associated there. So that's pain associated with the solution, but let's also be clear that there's pain that's just associated with the job. Right. Right. So that would be pain. That's like, well, if I don't eat anything, like I have no time because my kids or whatever are, you know, busy in the morning or I have to get up so early to get on the first train or whatever it is. Um, I, 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 I'm going to get hungry by uh, you know ten thirty, and I'm going to be angry because I didn't have a chance to eat. Right. That's agnostic of any of the solutions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, once I start to have solutions, those different solutions or value propositions are either you know killing pains, maybe creating pains right. uh, in some cases, like the donut is. Right. I didn't have dirty fingers before I got in the car, but the donut does potentially create that pain. Right. Yep. So the pains and gains are sort of the Again, positive and negative outcomes um, or risks associated uh, with a particular solution and the job uh, that that solution
1: was for. So that's uh, the customer profile side of the uh, value proposition canvas, the customer job paint and gain. And now we move over to the other side of the value canvas, the value map itself. Talk us through those parts.
2: There's three parts. There's really the... Basically, the, the products and services, the, which is the, the bundle of stuff that you're offering. You mm-hmm. know? Like, what do you really offer? Um, and you can get as granular as you want. You get down to the feature level, um, like we did when um, we were on the island in the lake in Switzerland, and we were figuring out features for the roadmap. How do these features kill uh, some sort of pain or create some sort of gain? And so there's the, fun, the features, um, products and services, and then the pain relievers and gain creators. This is the hardest part to understand. Everybody can list, you know, features, uh, or, uh, the products and services. I don't need to explain that very much. It's literally just, if you were to take the spec sheet of a computer and list out the spec sheet of, it it has 16 gigabytes of Ram and it has this, 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 and this, um, that would be it. Right. I don't know what computer has you know, 16 gigabytes of RAM right now, but you know, this, I feel like it's going to be weirdly dated either you know, in, in some way. Um, this idea that there's a spec sheet. What does that matter? Right. Like who cares? Like, what is this doing for me? What is, does what that specific feature do or allow me to do that creates a, an outcome I'm looking for mm-hmm. or, uh, kills a pain that I'm currently experiencing. Right. So it's in a way, a very highly simplified version of the value proposition canvas is kind of like verb your noun. So on the left, Hmm. the verbs are the components of the value proposition. And the noun is the problem, you know, that I'm having today. And so if it allows me to, you know, connect better with people on my team, or it allows me to, you know, store data, you know, all in one place, if it allows me to, you know, uh, collect something or transport myself from one place to the other, or feel better uh, about something or um, travel, you know, like I'm, I'm mentioning travel twice now. But, you know, there's, there's all of these different potential verbs that you could have that create the outcome that you're looking for. So if you can tie a clear connection between what is the feature, and then the pain reliever game creator is literally just look at the stuff on on in, in the target of the customer profile and say, well, this feature, what does it do or allow the customer to do in a verb format that creates um, one of these gains or kills one of these pains, and if you can do that, you've listed a game creator or pain reliever.
1: Excellent. So the three parts on this side of the so the value map is the product and services. And then for that, what's, how does the, that product, and we can break it down into specific features, how does that relieve pain and how does it create gain? As you're talking through that, recently been having more conversations about uh, MVP. Medium and large organizations are still getting their hands around. How, how can we just do validated learning? How, how can we understand if we should move down a path or not quicker without making big investments? Minimum viable product, or I, I often talked about it in terms of the minimal viable experiments that we might do, how that can help us. And this this connecting, you know, kind of the example you shared before of, you know, to, are we going down the right path with the software product that we want to build to help support the canvas? When you look at each of the features, if you can identify clearly pain versus gain, that might help you slash through the ones that don't really need to be part of an MVP.
2: It, it, it's absolutely stunning. It, it, you'll see this as soon as you try to apply it. You know, you'll have ideas that feel so natural, you know, and this is what's weird about it. You'll have these ideas that feel so natural and so, um, right. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, you're right. You know, when you're right, you're right.
1: It feels and good. Yep.
2: It feels great. And everyone on the team agrees and you're starting to get super stoked about building something. You're like, man, when we get this, this is going to be good. Right. And then you stop for a minute and you try to create a value proposition canvas around the same feature set. And you're going to struggle to see, wait a minute. So this is my customer's actual problem. And how is this thing even addressing that whatsoever? Right. But it was so cool a minute ago. And the luster of your idea is going to just dim so quickly. And it'll be the worst part of your day. I promise you, this is going to be sad. Like, it's going to be a bummer. Like I, I get this bummer all the time. Like, you know, we were just doing it the other day. um, And I was like, geez, like we were working on this prototype. And we're so excited about so much of the stuff. We're like, wait a minute, this doesn't hit any of the stuff that's on the top three issues of our customers list, even though we designed it with that in mind. Right. And you sort of get off track in a solution a little bit. And you sort of, this allows you to sort of come back and, you know, try to make that connection again. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. It's, it's, it's absolutely stunning as far as creating that connection goes and staying focused on, especially. If you prioritize and you say, well, what is the most important job or what's the job that's least served or the pain that is least um, addressed by other products uh, today, that can be a good target for
1: an MVP. Mm-hmm. Good way to use it. Your background is is design. My background is engineering. Both of us prior easily a- attracted to the solution, right? Especially if it's one work rate. It's like, hey, that's my baby. Yeah. And I think it's really important for us as product managers, product leaders to kind of divorce a- ourselves of that. I have taught myself over time to really be enamored with the customer's problem. And that's where I, that's where my love is now, right? My, 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 I try to stir my passion that way so that I don't get caught up so much in the solutions. Like, yeah, solutions being thrown away. The customer problem is what we want to focus on.
2: Yeah. And I, I love what you're saying there about, you know, fall in love with the problem. Right. And if you can do that, it's anybody who's built more than one version of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, has kind of understood that already of, you know, yeah, that solution I built is like version one is not version two and version two is not version three. Um, but I'm still excited about this for some reason. And if you can sort of tap back into that, yeah, this is really about that thing that we're trying to help people do. Um, the value proposition creates a shared language for you to get that on a piece of paper and make it a touchstone or a lighthouse or whatever metaphor you want to use for, is keeping on track and keeping using that as like a guidepost, whereas in the day to day of figuring out what are the right number of releases to actually, you know, create this solution and how do we technically make this happen and what is the right UX, all of these aspects are so important, um, but they just get a disproportionate amount of our time and a disproportionate amount of our documentation. Mm -hmm. And so providing some documentation around this that really sits at that high level that we're sort of always connecting back to um, can be a really, really powerful thing.
1: Good. We talked a little bit about uh, some tips before. I'm I'm wondering about mistakes. Key ones that come to mind when people try to use the value proposition canvas.
2: Yeah, so something that happens every time is people put in way too many things. Mm -hmm. Um, They just put in too much stuff, right? And the, the, the mistake there is, well, obviously putting too much stuff. The mistake is not consolidating or deciding what's relevant and what's not relevant to your strategic focus. You know, there's, there's a boundary to the amount of customer jobs that you're going to be sort of focused on, right? right. You know, I have jobs at home that are completely different from my jobs in the workplace. And as a product manager, you might be interested in my jobs in one or the other, right? And so don't try to capture everything about me, try to capture the things that are relevant ish, you know, Mm -hmm. don't go too narrow, uh, but don't go too broad either. So a very common thing, especially with teams who have an existing product is to go far too narrow. And a very common thing with customers who don't really have a product or mainly maybe maybe looking at like a greenfield opportunity space that they've been tasked with tackling is to go too broad. And so, uh, you know, this is sort of like a Goldilocks problem. Um, I can't give you the answer as far as like, you know, how narrow is too narrow and how broad is too broad. But if you, if you find yourself with too many jobs you know, uh, on the list or too many that feel very similar, too many jobs on the list, you're probably going too broad. If they're too disparate, you're probably going too broad. If they all feel very similar, um, very, very similar, maybe you're going too narrow and you need to go a little bit broad. Uh, The second big mistake with jobs is that people tend to confine themselves to the solution space as, okay, well, we're making an accounting package. What are the jobs of accountants that accounting packages serve? Um, That's great. Go a little bit broader in that case. Um, You want to get all those basic ones, but you want to go a little bit broader Mm -hmm. just to understand the space a little bit more. And is there, um, you know, workflow, on either side that you might benefit from sort of connecting to some of the traditional stuff um, and, and solving a couple of those jobs at once, the sort of expanding the workflow. Yeah. Right. Um, that can be something that's very, very uh, valuable um, as far as going a little bit broader and finding the opportunity that other people are missing within the traditional vertical that you happen to be working in. Right. Um, so those are two really common mistakes on that side. The other common mistake Um, is in value proposition, uh, sorry, on the value map side, on the value proposition side, is not making a specific value proposition for each segment. So you make one product and you're thinking it's going to sell to like three different groups of people, Um, actually map out each one of their customer profiles and actually map out a different value map for each Mm -hmm. one of them. Even if it's going to be, you know, 90% the same software, but just three different plans um, at each Scenario, you know, if there's sort of like a small, medium, or large plan, what is the value that's being added? Like, what's the job being done for that enterprise customer, right? That's maybe not being done for that prosumer customer um, on the lower end. Um, Or if uh, you're working with uh, a larger customer who maybe has two buyers internally, you know, or two people who need to sign on to something understand what your value proposition is to each one of them, right? right? Maybe not just to the end user, but also to the buyer, right? right? And not just to the buyer, but also to the end user who's, you know, responsible for the second purchase or at least recommending, you know, the second purchase. Right. Um, so those are a few common ones that jump out to me right away.
1: Yeah. That, that last one's really important because, you know, back, back to the milkshake, different segments are going to have different reasons for picking up that milkshake, different pains that they are trying to solve and different value they're finding different gains.
2: Well, in the end, it may end up being, you know, one product. It may just be this new milkshake. Sure. Um, at least, you know, what components of that product are doing for each one. And that's so useful in a marketing scenario, right? So when it comes to, okay, we built pretty much the same product, and we're hoping to sell it to more than one uh-huh. segment. Um, well, what aspects of the product introduce, uh, or sorry, what aspects of the product attract different customer segments? And even if they're available to both segments, you know, customer segment A, customer segment B, are buying exactly the same thing, um, there's a reason why each one of them is buying it. And when it comes to marketing, that's different. Um, something I heard recently was that, you know, you you market to jobs, but you sell products. Hmm. And I thought that that was interesting. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that personally, but it might be something that helps your customers, or uh, sorry, your listeners. Um, and I get it completely because, you know, you want to talk about, you know, think about any great sale. It always starts with getting, a, getting the, the the customer to understand that you understand their problem, right? That this and getting them to understand their own problem, feel the pain, right? right. You know, if I have a strong toothache, you know, I'm going to go hire a dentist. Whereas if like, I feel kind of okay, like my teeth are roughly fine-ish. Maybe they're looking a little brown from all the espresso I've been drinking this morning. <laughs> but, you know, there's it's not a huge pain to get to the dentist. There's a gap. But if you can help me understand the pain that I'm feeling, you know, I, there's much more tension for a sale. There's much more tension for me to seek a solution. And so really understanding that pain and mapping that so that sales understands it, product understands it, marketing understands it, and having one map that you can all refer to and speak the, sh- to the same shared language, um, that can be incredibly powerful. And then also being really clear about, well, what does our solution actually do here? So, yeah, sure, we can speak their language as far as the pain, but how does our solution help? Right. Whether that be in defining the feature set or at the roadmap level, right? And, you know, checking off to make sure that it actually works or in the marketing and sales you know scenario where you actually need to talk about, well, okay, well, how is this going to make my toothache go
1: away, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, how does it solve the problem, the, the job that you hired the product for? really good advice there on things to avoid common mistakes. And you shared a quote that I really likes market to jobs, but sell products. I am wanting to ponder that one further too. I really like how that's expressed. And speaking of quotes, listeners know, I love a good quote, innovation quote. And I always ask guests to bring one. You shared one already, but I'm going to ask you if you have another one for us too.
2: Yeah, I do. And you know, I always, I always ask, um, oftentimes like, you know, if I'm just, you know, having dinner with someone new or, or, you know, just chatting with someone and they seem like they're a pretty insightful character uh, to get at the idea of like, what's your favorite quote without asking them directly. I would say, you know, if if you had to get a tattoo and it had to be words, you know, what would it say, you know, some advice or something like that? What would it say? And um, I, I think Tim Ferriss has a version of this. It's like, what's your billboard, you know, statement. And for me, you know, one that comes up and I got this from, you know, a colleague of mine, Wayne Chamberlain, when he shared this with me, it just resonated so deeply. And I feel like if I had it tattooed on my forearm, you know, probably like four or five times a day, I would look down at it and just nod and be like, mm. yep, it's happening again. And the quote is, um, most problems are people problems. Most people problems are communication problems. <laughs> and I I just I see that so many times a day uh, and so often. And I would say that a lot of communication problems are short language problems. And that tends to be where a lot of our tools are focused. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this isn't, I'm not just trying to, you know, like shove our, (laughs) our work into that, but it's part of why I'm so drawn to, you know, what we do here at strategizer and, um, a problem that I happen to be conditioned to see, you know, all the time. So most, most problems are people problems. Most people problems are communication problems. And then I'll append to uh, my buddy Wayne Chamberlain's quote there. Um, and this could, he could have got that from somewhere else. I don't know where it comes from. I just know it comes from Wayne. Um, I'll append to that, which is, you know, most communication problems are shared language problems where, you know, I'm saying one word and you think it's one thing. Right. Um, and the perfect example of this is something you hear all the time. What's the business model? And this is why the business model Canvas got so popular. And this is why people love the value proposition in Canvas equally as much as like, well, what's the value proposition? It's like, well, how do I even talk about that?
1: Yeah, now you have a framework. You have common language exactly it's the shared
2: language um that's it
1: good quotes and thanks for sharing that i like you know just getting everyone on the same page it makes a huge difference same page same page of terminology and understanding the concepts
2: and it's a constant battle right like this is a it, it, it's, it's not a battle that ends this is something that is is it's you know we're we're, we're pushing a rock uphill and every time we stop pushing it rolls back down um, which is what makes it one of those wicked problems. So how can we get a little more leverage to get a little bit further up is always the goal.
1: And tools are important for that. And the value proposition canvas is a good tool for us to have in our virtual toolbox here, things that we can share. How can listeners find out more about the work you're doing there at Strategizer and get more access to the resources that Strategizer has?
2: Yeah, absolutely. They can go to strategizer.com. So that's a strategy with a Z-E-R or Z-E-R uh, if you're in the States. On the end, so strategy, uh, dot com. You can follow us on Twitter um, at Twitter.com slash strategizer. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. We throw a bunch of stuff on. We're sort of adding more stuff there. There's mm-hmm. lots of free content on our blog. Um, we've got uh, two books at the moment, and we're releasing three more this year, which I'm really excited about. So there's wow. Business Model Generation, which is the first book, which speaks to the business model canvas, which you mentioned early in the podcast, the Value Proposition Canvas is covered in a book called Value Proposition Design, um, which we've been talking about all podcasts. Um, we have about 30-ish you know, free PDFs, checklists, resources, best practice, um, instructional guides and stuff that are free um, at strategizer.com if people are interested in those things. A couple of online courses and training for large organizations um, and software that actually helps people execute all this stuff. So. Uh, basically strategizer.com will help you find all of that other stuff.
1: Excellent. And the non-paid endorsement here for me, and for listeners, there's never any compensation for anyone that's a guest on this show, just (laughs) so you know, uh, either way, I have found the resources on your YouTube channel to be really good for understanding the concepts and the tools, the two books. I'm really excited. You just said there's three coming the two books already. I have both of them on the business model canvas and the value prop. They're just beautiful products in themselves. Anyone that wants to understand deeper, the books are wonderful, and they're great product examples. They're just they're they truly are work of arts, which you don't say about a book very much. Very well done. And I also have gone through the two online courses. You guys do a good job of putting together information. Those courses were quite valuable to understand these tools at a deeper level. I appreciate the resources.
2: Chad, my head's not going to fit out the door of the meeting room. Uh, <laughs> it warms my heart to hear you say all that. It's really kind, sir. Thank you very much.
1: My pleasure. Thanks so much for your time, Alan.
2: Thank you,
1: sir. Thanks again for listening to The Everyday Innovator. This is where product leaders and managers make their move to product masters, learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so you'll create products that customers love. Find the written notes of the discussion with Alan at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 215. Keep innovating.
0: Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit the everydayinnovator.com.